Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I thank God for this opportunity and thank the many volunteers who make this possible. I was a Latter-day Saint for over 60 years. I, I love the LDS people, but we know that there are faithful Latter-day Saints questioning and even leaving the church, some because of church doctrine, other because of church history, some because they can't keep the commandments and they feel unworthy and, and guilty. And there are some that just don't feel like they can do enough or be good enough or even if they fit in. And we hope this show tonight will share a hope that there is in Jesus and in, uh, in His gospel. Mm -hmm. I'd like to begin with a, a prayer, and uh, so let's pray. Dear Father, we pray for your Spirit to be with us tonight, that we'll have, be able to say the things that you want us to say. Those listening, will, that their hearts will be softened. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Really happy tonight to welcome Sherry Walker tonight, and uh, appreciate you driving down from Idaho. Thank and, you. And uh, sharing your story with us. You were born a Latter-day Saint, is I that was, right? yes. Parents mm -hmm. were married in the temple, and tell us a little bit about your youth and so on as a Latter-day Saint. Okay, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, we, I was born in Rexburg, Idaho, Okay. and uh, home of Ricks College, now BYU-Idaho. Uh, I lived about 12 miles south of there in a little teeny town called Rigby, okay. Idaho. My folks were uh, both um, sixth generation LDS. I am. Wow. Um, my folks were married in the uh, Idaho Falls LDS Temple in 1960. Okay. Uh, they had three girls, and I'm the oldest of their girls. Wow, and you were all active? In, uh, um, in we the were. The, my, my folks, and I don't really know what happened, but someone upset my dad somewhere along the way, and my mother and dad quit going. Oh. But my grandmother, my father's mother, Stella Walker, um, God rest her soul, uh, is probably rolling over in her grave right now. But anyway, she, <laughs> she um, took me to church a lot. Okay. And she taught me about Mormonism. And of course, in Rigby, the culture there is just, I mean, if you're not LDS, then you're it's, drunk in a bar. I mean, that, that's really the only choice you have. Yeah. It's just, LDS. It's, it's a very, very, it's a fine community. It's a yeah. small community. It's a yeah. tight knit community. And it's a very, very, very Mormon community. Yeah. So you were active your whole youth? Oh, yes. And, you know, seminary was right there. Went to primary, pushed oh, and you the card. Oh, yeah, seminary. Well, yeah. seminary is right there on the school property sure. in, in Rigby. Well, you walk across the street to the stake center. But, you know, I, I was raised just, I mean, the Mormon church really raised me. You know, yeah. once you get in school and then you have friends that are LDS and they take you to primary and young women's and, yeah. you know, you just become, you just, it's, it was, it was not a religion to me. It was just a way a, of life. It was, life. it was the way we just, everybody, I mean, I didn't think you could make soft sugar cookies if you weren't LDS. <laughs> so you, you never know? even thought about not going to church. Oh, you know, no, just... or not being, I mean, I felt sorry for people who weren't Mormon because I knew that they, they were not going to go to heaven. And if they didn't have their families together 
they weren't sold in the temple, they wouldn't be together forever. So a goal that you had, obviously, was to be married in the temple. It and was, to, and it was yeah. until I got a little older. But yes, it was a goal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, what? Um, uh, so as you were growing up in high school, you had a lot of friends, and it was I did, that again. That was but, your culture of right, being active LDS. Right, and my dad was very protective of his three girls, and so when I got to asked to do things, you know, I got invited to family reunions and church. You know, I didn't yeah. get invited to parties or drive-ins or my dad, he was very, he kept us on a really short leash. Yeah. And I was raised in the 70s, you know, and so even in Rigby, you know, there was things that could, that a girl could get into trouble doing and my dad made certain <laughs> one of his girls didn't. So. Well, that's, I guess that's a protection that we parents probably I think we do, no matter what religion do. you are, you know. You mentioned, though, that you you were, um, and I, I guess the first word that comes to my mind is a peculiar people. Right. Uh, that's kind of a pride we have, or we, we did. in the LDS church mm -hmm. have as, as far as being a peculiar and a special people. And, right. Entitled. Yeah. Certainly entitled. Yeah. And I remember um, my grandmother saying, why are they trying to run from us being, I am, I'm a peculiar, we are peculiar, because there went this time in the 80s where the church, and I believe now, they're really run, trying to run from their past. Yes. You know, they, they want to be Christian. They want to yeah. be thought of as Christian. My folks think they're, that I'm a Christian. I don't sure. know what you're talking about. We're Christian. Our, Jesus Christ's name's on our church. You don't get much more Christian than that, Sherry. That's my dad. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my invitation to my dad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so, the, I mean, they, they believe that they're, that they're Christian. They believe that they love Jesus they they you know and that's how I believe too yeah and I and I felt kind of I really did pity people that that weren't born under the covenant like I was yeah I'm sure we'll cover that a little bit later okay. too but I also felt that same way that yes I'm Christian in fact even suggest that I wasn't it's insulting but we know better now but oh, we'll, we'll get to that so in a second now. but did you yeah. have a testimony of Joseph Smith absolutely and I bore it every chance I got every opportunity really? I had I, every first Sunday of the month I I wanted to be up there I wanted to to talk about how much I loved the church how much I appreciated the pioneers and the sacrifice they made how much I loved my family and how appreciative I was that families could be together forever and and how great but you know, I don't ever remember. I, it was always in the name of Jesus Christ, but there was never a testimony of the love and grace found at the cross yeah. that there is now. It's more it's of so a superficial right, it's, acceptance. I mean, an understanding of Jesus. We believe he was a man. I mean, there's the human side of Jesus. We certainly believed mm -hmm. in the LDS church. But there's this praise and worship that is is not quite there, right? And I'm not sure we'll. It's kind uh, of hard to explain, really. But, yeah, but, but when just, it, but when it's there, it's there. Right. When you, when you're saved, you know it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of happened then as you get in through well, high school and a as a young young adult? Yeah, there wasn't any one thing that said, "Oh my gosh, this is all a bunch of bunk." There was not ever just one thing. Yeah. What I know today at 50, looking back at 15, um Jesus came after me as he says he will in the word. He came after me and um, he sent people. Well, he sent people. I mean, he didn't come himself, but he sent no. people. There were Christians constantly witnessing to me, and I would, of course, witness to them because I thought they were. I mean, not wrong, but they weren't. They would come to me and witness to me about Christian, about a Christian life, about Christianity, and of course, I was busy 
witnessing to them <laughs> about being a Mormon. Defending the church. Yeah, and, and, and so, so it was on. always a debate, and I was sure I was on yeah. the right, on solid ground, you okay. know, on the right. Um, I did meet a, a girl one time that, um, this is probably the first thing that just shook me to the core. I was mm. about 17. Her name was Dawn, and she worked at, at Rite Aid or Payless, the drugstore at the mall, and I worked at the, dental, at the dentist's office, and I would go there for lunch. Long story short, over a period of time, we became friends. And in, in a conversation, I mean, I don't even gonna go the whole thing, but she mentioned to me just in passing, and we were 17, yeah. that she had had an abortion. And I remember as an LDS young woman thinking, because I knew that abortion was murder. Yeah. And I knew that anyone who would have an abortion had to be a murderer. But I looked at my friend Dawn and I thought, and, and I asked her about it, and, and then she realized that she had said it because it wasn't something she talked about very often. She wasn't often. planning on saying it, maybe. Right, because <laughs> you know, our defenses, we were girlfriends. Yeah. And she said that she had gotten pregnant and that her mother had taken her to, to Pocatello for an abortion. Now, my mother would have never done something like that. And her, you know, I mean, I, we were just so different. But at the same time, I knew in my heart that she wasn't a horrible, bad person. She was a kind, loving person. And so... At that moment, I think, was the very first lightning bolt into my soul that said, okay, I don't have to be so judgmental of others, and I can love people um, that aren't like me. And that was really the first, I was, I, was, I was 17 or 18 years old before I realized that sometimes good people do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. And sometimes bad people do things they should do, you know. <laughs> and there isn't there isn't just this black pants and white shirt and tie kind of look that makes makes everything okay. Now, as a Latter Day Saint, of course, this was as you said, murder. So oh, she yeah. would be relegated to the lower kingdom, Outer, and nothing yeah. she could ever forget. As a Christian, what's her status? As a Christian, she's saved by grace. The, the sins have been paid yeah, for. She's, she is saved by grace. She, as a believer and, and takes Jesus into her heart and soul, she, the, the blood of the Lamb has saved her soul. I think that's what I try to mean at the beginning of the show when I'm talking about guilt, because if you have that kind of guilt and you've made a mistake and it spirals you down to where you don't feel like you're worthy at all, you have no hope. And the church doesn't offer any hope because you are condemned and you're, you're judged, so you have no hope. Right. But there and is hope in Jesus. There absolutely is, and yeah. I knew for Dawn there had to be. Because she she, she didn't have the opportunities that I had. So that was really probably the first moment when I went, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, because I had never met anyone. And, I, and in my mind, if you would do something like that, it would, you'd have to be a horrible, terrible, nasty, awful person to do something <laughs> like that, and Dawn wasn't. Yeah. She wasn't. So that was, and that, that was, was Early in early that was in, early. age seventeen mm -hmm. or so. Yep. Any, so, so we move along in so a few years. That happened. You, you eventually get married. I did. Yeah. I married a, um, an, a Mormon boy, and I okay. remember the night before we got married, his mother hugged me because he was kind of the black sheep. I don't know why. I didn't like the kind of men my mother and dad wanted me to like. I always liked the kind that weren't good for me. <laughs> okay. And uh, and and I don't know why, because I because I love. I mean, I loved being a Mormon. Yeah. He was LDS. His family were very 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 active, and I thought that he'd grow up. I mean, I thought, you know, he would come along. And I remember um, his mother hugged me the night before we got married and, and, was, and was quick. Because, you know, they keep a secret. 
it can be stinking die heaven inside, but as long as it looked good, looks good out here, yeah. it's, it's okay. Yeah. She hugged me, and she just whispered close in my ear. She said, I hope he doesn't hurt you. Oh, dear. And I pulled back and looked at her, and the moment was gone. The moment was gone. And so I thought, well, that was weird. <laughs> but she's kind of odd. Kind that kind of was a red weird. flag? Well, maybe, yeah, but I've got out. the wedding dress on, and we're going to get married tomorrow, and we got all these guests coming. And I mean, you know. And this was his mother. His mother, oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, and you know, I don't, I don't know that he hurt me any more than I hurt him. But, because um, I think he wanted to do the right, I think he wanted to be everything he could be in the LDS church. He just couldn't measure up. He just couldn't do it all. He, he has sent since our divorce, and I have, you know, gone the other direction as far as, you know, getting saved and that kind of a thing. He asked me, well, before I got saved, he said, if you think you were living like you are now when we were married, maybe our marriage would work. And I'm like, <laughs> well, married, because I was, I was buried in Mormonism. Yeah, I wanted him to go to church with me, and I wanted him to want to go to church with me. Okay. And he couldn't just go and just be a normal guy. I wanted him to be a bishop, because I couldn't, I could only go as high as he was going to go, and he had no drive to go anywhere. You know, so you're relying on him to get you for my to salvation. Sure. Yeah, instead he's gonna of, call me up instead of directly. He'll with forget Jesus. my name. That's what I kept thinking. Are you listening? You gotta call me up. You gotta remember my name. <laughs> Excuse me a second. I hope okay. that doesn't interfere. It might be but, making noise. Yeah, kind of bent a little bit. Well, tell us. I know after the divorce, I ramble. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. But as you uh, you were active, of course, during this ten year period that you were married. Yep. Then tell us about the struggles you had after the divorce. Okay. So we were in California, and uh, and I was not going to get divorced. I was going to stick with him. I made my bed. I got to sleep in it. He was drinking a lot. It was the Mormon bishop in California that finally gave me permission to sit. He just said, you know, sometimes it's a sinking ship. You got to get out. So I came back home, back to Idaho. He stayed down there. I brought our two little kids, five and three, a oh daughter, boy. Oh boy. a daughter who's five, who was five, and a son who was three, and uh, and I was scared. <laughs> Because I, you know, I was a secretary. I didn't finish my education because pretty girls didn't get educated in Mormonism. Not in the 70s. Not when I was raised. Yeah. We were going to be Relief Society presidents. We were going to support a man who was going to go places. Provide for you. And, and we were going to have children. And, and we weren't going to work. And um, it was a strong paradigm shift for me. And what really happened, I, I got back to Idaho Falls and... Uh, I looked for a job, and I was going to go to school, and I didn't have any money, and I did not want to ask my parents for money, although I'm sure they would have helped me. I just didn't want to, and so I could get money from the church, but then I had to be on welfare, like pay your tithing, and anyway, I wanted my tithing back, <laughs> <laughs> and so I started studying. I really just started, I, I was taking an archaeology class and uh, a geology class, and I was looking at my Book of Mormon, and I was looking at horses in the Book of Mormon, and then I was looking in my, um, in my textbook, and I'm like, you know, this doesn't work. So you're starting to have some doctrinal questions about the Yeah, I mean, I, the, the horses, there's silk, there's coins in the Book of Mormon. I mean, and I finally just said, you know what? If King Benjamin fortified the cities of Zarahemla, I want to see them. <laughs> Where are they? Well, we think they're buried somewhere in the rainforest of South America. Okay, well, until you can show me <laughs> the cities of Zarahemlitz and the remnants of the city, I want my tithing back <laughs> because I got two kids to raise and I don't have any money. Yeah. 
Well, you know, they don't give you your tithing no, back. No. <laughs> they don't Probably do that. A no, they don't. Empty request. Yeah, there, but. but and so, but the more I studied and the harder I pulled on that string, I remember sending a letter to the University of Maryland Archaeology Department. I also sent one to BYU, which they're not very good at responding. Let me just say, or weren't. Yeah. This we're talking, ninety four. Few years ago. Yeah. So, but I did send a note, a letter, and I still have, and I probably should have brought it. I wish I would have, but um, to the archaeology department at the University of Maryland, and asked them if they had any proof of the of of the doctrine, if they've ever heard of the Book of Mormon, if they have any proof of it, if there's any archaeological evidence of it, and the letter back, and I don't know it verbatim, but when he wrote back to me, and you'd think I would have been overjoyed when I read it, but he wrote back to me and he said, "We laugh." at the Book of Mormon. There is no evidence of the truthfulness. There's nothing to support it. It is not true. Although Joseph Smith was probably a good science fiction writer in his day, he did, he made it up. I think the Smithsonian has actually it, done the same thing. And though. I remember the paper started shaking. And I knew that I could, I couldn't stay. Yeah. And, uh, but I was scared though, you know, and I got these two little kids. I remember my sister and I at Thanksgiving time went walking after lunch, after dinner, and, and I hadn't told anyone about, you know, how I you mean, were feeling about you keep the it a church. Secret because you keep it a secret. Yeah. And, um, because you think the hand of God's going to strike you dead, for one thing. If you that, even if think. You, God, what, don't like read that. that. Don't read that stuff that's not LDS. You yeah. know, don't. I mean, I read the Godmakers. I admit I started there. Sandra Tanner's um, Lighthouse Ministry was instrumental. She always would send me things kindly, too. Um, and I would, probably wasn't as kind back to her, but at any rate, early on, yeah. you know, because we're angry about it. Yeah. Um, but I remember I went to the park one time with my friend Brenda, and um, her kids were my kids' age, and, and the kids were playing, and I'm telling her all this stuff I'm learning about, everything, and and um the you know, archaeology yeah you everything know. i was telling her everything about i was learning and she said and i said you know brenda wait a guy at a guy at work had said to me it all comes because i was talking to him too he was lds okay. and i was talking i was talking to everybody who would <laughs> listen to me and kevin this guy at work said you know sure it really all comes down to either joseph smith saw god or he didn't you either believe he saw god and if he did then everything's true or you don't believe he saw god and if he didn't then none of it's true yeah, Prophets and I thought, well, that makes thing. it easy. I can quit looking at all this other stuff and think about that. So, I just prayed about it, and I just knew that he may. Especially if you read "No Man Knows My History," and which I read from Von Brody's book, "No Man Knows My History," and I read um, the, the polygamy, the Mount Middle massacres, and all. It, it's not true. You just realized there were it's more and more not. holes in the hole. Right. I mean, it just. I just thing. knew that it was. And then, of course, I was talking to everybody. So, Brandon and I went to the park. And our kids were playing. This is when I found out about cultural Mormons. My kids were playing, and I hadn't left Mormonism yet, but I was thinking about it seriously. And uh, I had quit going to sacrament meeting. I had quit going to Sunday school. I was playing the piano in primary. And because of my, I got sucked by that claw that says, it's one thing for you to make this choice for yourself, but you can't rob your kids of their place at the celestial table, okay. you know? And so okay. I kind of got sucked by that for a little while. <laughs> but anyway, Brenda... I said, Brenda, what if Joseph Smith didn't see God? What if? What if he didn't see God? And she said, and this is what she said to me, I swear, as God is my witness, she said, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, Sherry. I like being married to a worthy man. I like going to church. You used to like it too. What happened to you? 
That's what you mean by a culture Mormon. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, she, it doesn't matter to her. Truth didn't matter to her. But Does that Bishop sh- Earl, it mattered to me. Isn't that shocking? Well, How do it you is, end? but there's so many in there. I mean, my mother will say to me frequently, well, I don't believe that. I talked to her about the 132nd section of the Doctrine and Covenants, and she'll say, well, I don't believe that. It's like a, a lot of them choose. don't know. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them don't know what they believe. Really, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't mean that offensively, but I think the deep doctrine of it. I don't really think a lot of them know. The and deep sometimes they have a it. misperception, like, well, no, the church doesn't actually teach that, or no, the church never taught that. I know we're talking uh, a lot about the black issue right. in the press and everything else. And well, in, I, in I terms, think, well, that's a whole other story, probably. Right, probably. Because <laughs> I know we don't have a lot of time, but at any rate, so Brenda with Brenda. That conversation with Brenda and the conversation with Kevin, and then um, people ask me frequently how I left, and how it happened was the kids were all ready for church. We were watching Barney. When Barney was over, the purple dinosaur. When Barney was over, we were supposed to go to primary, and I was sitting there thinking about everything that we were going through, everything that I had read about, everything that we would talked about, all the conversations I'd had, and I just realized that. I don't owe my kids anything but the truth. Absolutely. And Chase had Trust been, God. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to, I, I, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, and I don't know everything, but I have to give them what I do know. And I, I know this. Right, I can't raise, church. exactly. I mean, at true. one point, my little boy was three then, and he was singing, I hope they call me on a mission, and I was cleaning the toilet and wiping the mirrors, and I was listening, all he knew was, I hope, hope they, they call, call me on a mission, I hope they call me on a mission, that's all he knew, it was just those, you know. Okay. Yeah, he didn't know the rest of it, he just was saying, I hope they call me on a mission, because he'd been singing that in primary, and I remember wiping the mirror in the bathroom and thinking, I hope God calls you to college, and and then I looked in the mirror and saw myself and thought, someone just needs to throw me a dull line. <laughs> I'm taking this boy to a church I don't believe in, and they're teaching him things that I, don't, that I know aren't true, so that when he turns 18, I can, can convince him why he shouldn't do what he's been trained to do for the last 15. i got to get these kids out. I mean, i just got to get them out. And now, Chelsea's 25. Chase is 22. Occasionally, when I go home, I, I, this battle constantly rises up in me with my family. It's really painful and very difficult. But my daughter says to me, she says, Mom, I just don't get it. Chase and I just don't have that baggage you have. And I thought... They just never had that. Isn't no, it? you don't. God. Praise isn't God. That, isn't that nice? I mean, if I didn't do anything else, I saved those two. Yeah. That. Well, Sherry, I know that you went through a little period of struggle time. I and, did. And you got uh, to where you were... Um, having a born-again experience because you'd struggled, you couldn't, didn't keep the church commandments, you probably felt a lot of guilt. Tell us a little bit about that born-again experience. Okay, well, when I came out in 94, and now this happened, and then I, I mean, when I came out, there was no Sean McCraney, yeah. there was no Adams Road, there was no Bishop Earl, <laughs> there was, there was, uh, I think Sandra and her husband were there, but I, they were like, outcasts, you know, yeah, I mean, for the I, I didn't dare go there, and so I went to the internet, the internet was new, like I said, it was 94, 95, and I found a bulletin board, a listserv, it was just a bulletin board of ex-Mormons, uh, they had a convention that I went to, and uh, there was a lot of Vegas behavior at that convention that was probably a little more than I was used to, but I spent 10 years um, 
but looking for point, God in all the wrong places. Yeah, and at and some, some point you... In 2005. Go ahead. Okay, 2005, um, after a lot of um, hard living. Yeah. You know, because, let's face it, I mean, if Satan came in and said to you, Hi, I'm Satan. I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy your life and take yeah. everything that's important to you. You might move away from that. Yeah, you might yeah. say, get behind me, Satan. I'm about to be easy. Yeah. But he doesn't come like that. Very subtle. He comes like a thief in the night. Feels guilt. He, well, and I don't care what anybody says. Sin's fun for a while. And I don't, I'm just going to say it flat out. Yeah. It works for a while. Yeah. And it's fun for a while until it's not fun anymore. Yeah. And so you reached And I reached the bottom. point where it wasn't fun anymore. And what happened? I was in my bedroom. Um... In a puddle on the floor, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that I was, I'd been drinking and uh, maybe using a little bit of whatever, but, uh, but I was um, crying out to God as, as we can only do when we're in that much pain. And I just said, if you're there, show me. And I don't know if... I passed, I don't exact, I just remember that I looked up and saw a cross with the resurrected Christ on it, and he picked wow. me up, oh. and he dusted me off, and he blew into my face, and he said, you are mine. Wow. <laughs> and, and then I went to bed. <laughs> And um, I started going to Calvary Chapel. You felt a burden lifted oh, off your shoulders. Oh, it was just, it was like, I can, I'm, I'm saved. Would you say that the LDS people feel that way about Jesus? I don't know. You know, I, I, I've, I, I've been out long enough now that I try as hard as I can not to judge them. Yeah. And I pray for them. We prayed for you. Oh, thank we you. pray for the leadership of um, the Mormon Church that that the scales will be removed. That we try to bind. We pray that their that Satan's activities will be bound in their lives, and that we can that that the Lord will send witnesses to them that will witness to them in such a way. Because see, you know, Sean can catch some people. Yeah. You can catch some people. Yeah. I can catch some people. But, but God can it, touch them all. <laughs> exactly. But he has to send a certain messenger. Yeah. At his, and that's what's great is God's working all things out for good for those who love him yeah. and follow his ways. And so we just have to be willing to reach out to others. And, and, um, so, and pray for them. And pray for them. Yeah, so and witness to them. We've only got a minute left. What do you say to the people? the LDS people, what would you suggest to them? What should they do? Those that might be questioning and... Read and get in the Word. Study. You know, I would... Don't I just would, go on blind blind faith. You know? I would get out. If, if you're questioning, just take one year. Get out of the Doctrine and Covenants. Get out of the Book of Mormon. Get out of the Pearl of Great Price and get in your Bible. Get in the Word. You could even get in the Joseph Smith translation if you want to. Get in the Word. It's, it's His love letter to us. And all the answers that you need are in your Bible. And the worst thing, one of the worst things, I hate to say the worst because there's so many bad things Joseph Smith did, but one of the worst things he did was make the Bible look like a bad thing. Yeah. You know? Sherry, thanks so much for coming. I know we've almost run out of time, but we sure appreciate it. Well, there's so much to tell, but I hope your story's touched a heart. We'll see you next week.
This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.